Happy Monday and welcome back to another episode of the Airport Minute where each and every day Monday through Friday we go over the 137 glorious minutes of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures Airport. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv, and today we're joined in the cockpit by Chris Henry, a former air traffic controller and the program director of the EAA. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me. Chris, thanks so much for being on. It's always exciting to have people on who have actually been flying planes and actually have been in air traffic control. You you probably have a, a rather unique or maybe even a rare viewpoint for this movie. Oh, it, you know, as someone who worked uh, for the airlines, I think it's a, it's a classic. If you're into aviation, these movies are, are so iconic. Um, you know, the first off, it captures a time in aviation history where it was so exciting to work for the airlines. I mean, this was a time when, uh, you know, you dressed up to get on the airplane to go fly somewhere. And uh, it was just, it was an adventure. I mean, it was still some, somewhat new. I mean... We were, you know, 707s were just leaping into the, the jet age, you know, not far out of the DC-3s and conveyors, and before that, the trimotors, you know. So uh, it was still a great adventure. So I think these movies really capture that. And in my opinion, you know, they're they're dramatic and, and sometimes, over you know, a little bit overdramatic, of course. I mean, but I think that uh, it, they really capture, uh, they're, they're sort of, in my opinion, kind of like time capsules of, what aviation, what general aviation, and what air travel was like at that point, and how it was viewed. Oh, sure, yeah, and and I would think that even though most of the stuff here has been overcome by technology, I mean, a lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of the stuff is outdated, but or dated, but still, the elements are all still there. You know, the idea of how a cockpit crew works and the ways and how ATC works. I mean, the technology may have changed, but still the day-to-day operations haven't changed much over all these decades, I would think. Did you ever have a stuffed Snoopy on your console when you were an air traffic controller? <laughs> uh, actually, I had an easy button on my controller. Oh, um, so man. Whenever we had a big uh, you know, big uh, uh, airplane come in or something special happen, we would, uh, uh, we'd hit the easy button. <laughs> and I've always just been curious. I mean, how insanely stressful is that job? Well, you know, um, the days where it's severe, clear, and blue skies, uh, and there's no emergencies, it's, ac- it's actually pretty fun. Uh, it was actually a good time, and you enjoyed being busy. The more airplanes you got uh, within reason, uh, you know, it was a good—you enjoyed it. You enjoyed uh, going to work, and um, it, it was a lot of fun. Now, on the days where uh, the weather became an issue and snow—snow snow was my the thing that I hated the worst, so it's kind of funny that I'm in— uh, I've been invited into this uh, this in about, about this movie because um, there's a lot going on in a snowstorm. You've got reduced visibility. You have uh, men and, and machines on the runways trying to clear the runways, and you still have arrivals and departures trying to get in and out. So, uh, in my opinion, the most stressful time working at an airport uh, is during a snowstorm right at night. Where were you based, Chris? Uh, Indianapolis. Uh, oh, and okay. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, went to Indianapolis, and then Elkhart, Indiana as well. So uh, mm. up north, almost into the Michigan border. Um, wow. So uh, in Elkhart, we had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of business jets, uh, things like that. And it was, you know, stressful. Of course, uh, Indy and Pitt, you had a lot of, you know, uh, cargo. And, and, and Pittsburgh, back when I was, you know, ramp control, it was... Uh, you know, you were you were you were humping. You had a lot of uh, the 
Uh, it was a hub for U.S. Airways at the time. So we had about 370 flights a day just out of Pittsburgh alone. And uh, so it was a, man. It was busy. It was it was a good time, but it was busy. <laughs> right now, did you have an actual like a favorite part? I mean, did you work in, you know departure or did you like in the center itself or? Where... I liked working tower. Tower was my absolute favorite place to work, and I'll tell you why. Um, whenever I decided to become an air traffic controller, there was something cool about saying clear land and clear for takeoff, and actually seeing the airplane you were talking to. Um, I'm an airplane nerd. And I enjoyed being able to, it's different when you're, when you're working approach or something and you're just seeing a dot and it's like, wow, that's a, you know, that's a P-51, but all you're looking at is a dot. Um, it's cooler when you're up in a tower and you're like, wow, check out that P-51. And um, I enjoyed it. And, and when I went to the class, uh, what they call a D airport, which is an Elkhart, uh, I enjoyed it because you became part of the community where people, the same planes came in at the same time every night and they actually would start calling you by their, your name on the radio. You'd, You'd say you're clear to land, you know, clear to land runway two seven, and they come back and say, you know, all right, clear to land, Chris. Thanks a lot, you know. And you really felt mm -hmm. like you were part of that community, and and that kind of echoes back to this movie where, you know, it was a small community on that airport, and everybody knew each other. You you knew, you know, that this person had a great reputation and was a good controller or a good pilot or so on. So. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the job. It was a lot. What of fun. was your first day doing that like? I mean, did you have the jitters? I mean, I, I just couldn't imagine being responsible. For, um, you know, you know, it, I was I was so used to emergencies working on the helicopters that my first day in a, in a control tower, I, I was a little bit nervous just because I was responsible for everybody's separation and safety. Uh, I really wasn't nervous talking to the airplanes, um, but I had a great tower chief who. Uh, was a lot like the guys depicted in these movies. Uh, uh, Mick was actually a, an ex-O'Hare uh, controller from back in the day. Oh, wow. And, uh, he must have really identified with this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. He went gray saying, at 29. Yeah. I, what's that? He went gray at 29. He, exactly. Exactly. As a matter of fact, we used to joke that he was uh, uh, McCroskey from Airplane, you know. And uh, so, uh, uh, but, you know. Pick the wrong day to quit drinking. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, great guy and uh, amazing leadership. Uh, he was one of those guys that just, he, you know, look, I trust you. You're not going to hurt anybody. You know, let's do this. And you just put it out of your mind. And uh, by my first day on the job, extremely nervous. First day on the job, I actually had an emergency. Um, we had an airplane come in without landing gear. And uh, first day. Oh. <laughs> so it was. Welcome aboard. Yeah, exactly. It was a small airplane, a small Cessna, but. Uh, uh, things worked out just fine. Everybody was all right, but uh, quite a first day. <laughs> wow! Wow. Um, what was the uh, what was the most unusual aircraft you ever had to control? Hmm. <clears throat> I've had blimps. Those are interesting. Um, yeah, blimps. Um, we had uh, air, we did have Air Force One come through our airspace. Um, we wow. had. How about NASA nine hundred five? I'm sorry. Oh no, nothing cool. Like nothing that great. Uh, uh, you know, some of the cool stuff is we had uh, Hueys and a couple P-51s. Uh, you know, I, I would say the most odd things were we had blimps. We had uh, the Goodyear blimp and the uh, uh, the MetLife Snoopy 2 blimp uh, come through. And those were interesting obstacles to get airplanes around. And, and wow. you, know, they, you know, top speed, I think, is about 30 miles an hour. And uh, you and, know, and no bathrooms in those. No, no too, bathrooms. Which... No, but, you know, luckily you wow. could stop and just go out the window and those things. So Yeah, they're Guerrero-proof. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. You know, but I, I think that's probably. Uh, I think that you know. I will say, I think the <laughs> yeah, incoming. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the wildest one was I had an uh, a DEA helicopter on an active drug interdiction mission uh, go through, <clears throat> and uh, I was actually part of it where they they nabbed a guy on our airport. Uh, you know, uh, just transient trying to drop off drugs. I, that was probably a pretty, pretty crazy day. And, uh, you know, that, I think that would probably be my, my weirdest event. <laughs> now, when you were working there, you must have seen the technology change. I mean, you know, like, uh, going from the, the strips to the, oh yeah, to the glass, you know, uh, displays and things like that. Yeah. When I started, it was, um, you know, especially when we were in radar sims and things like that, it was all, uh, paper strips. Uh, we had the old ARTS-3A uh, radar system, and then it upgraded, and we had these full-color uh, radar scopes, and uh, the technology definitely increased. Uh, you know, uh, we had better radios where we could really hear people better. Uh, we had something called a D-Bright, which was uh, basically an extension of a radar scope, so we could see our airport up in the tower and use that for navigation and see where the airplanes are rather than just back in the day, they just, you know, if somebody would call in and you would just say, okay, you're North of the field. We'll keep an eye out for you. You know I mean? It was, you know, even it was really crazy where the radar room would then turn it over to tower and you still had to look for them where now, you know, we have the capability to have a radar scope up there where you can actually, you know, tower says, here's your handoff. And okay. I see. So you, you don't use those little, uh, you know, representations of each plane oh, you know no, we moving them around yeah oh wow yeah if you've seen the movie pushing tin uh john yes Cusack. yes yeah oh yeah those are still uh still in use i don't think those will ever fully go away and uh yeah those were <sighs> yeah oh yeah every airplane had one of those and and then you had to write on it you had different symbology that you'd put on it you know where frequency changes were happened where heading assignments happen uh your squawk codes you'd give them for the radar and the transponder um, yeah, hell yeah, it was all on there, and we still still use them. I probably still have some because I'd come home with them in my pocket from time to time. Some, oh man! <laughs> did you ever do uh, precision approach radar, like you know that was in the movie toward the end there? Um, we did uh, a little bit of training for that, um, but uh, I never had to. I never had to do it in real life, no. Um, but uh, that was. Uh, I mean, we had you know approaches like ILS approaches and things like that, but. Um, you know, I, I don't think we did anything The I think by the time that I was there, we were sort of into the modern GPS and ILS approaches, um, which are precision approaches. I mean, those are still precision approaches, but, but it's a little bit different than how you see them depicted in the movies and stuff. Sure. Well, with uh, cat three, a now ILS, that kind of stuff is, is all in front of them on the screen. It's, you know, it's right there. Yep. They fly, you know, what you do is you tell them to fly to the next fix. Uh, they report crossing that fix. Uh, and when I was on, they, they, we used to have the outer, inner, and uh, uh, middle markers. Um, when I was in the FAA, disabled the middle markers. They did away with them because technology was getting better. It was just an extra piece of software for them to keep up uh, or hardware for them to keep up. And uh, so they did away with the middle markers. Um, so we would just report, you know, report crossing the outer marker. Uh, they would, ours was a Cutta, uh, and then we had uh, a couple others. And they just, they were randomly assigned. Sometimes they'd mean something to the local area. Sometimes they didn't. And, uh, you know, we'd report, report crossing that fix. They'd, they'd call in, say, hey, we're crossing that fix. And you'd scan the runway. And if everything was clear, you'd tell them, you know, uh, runway 27, clear to land. And, and uh, after they landed, you'd just, uh, you know, right turn when able, contact ground point eight, and have a nice night. And that was, uh, yeah, just keep the flow going. And, and 
you know, sometimes we'd work ground together. You know, we'd work local, uh, which was the airplanes in the air and the ground. So it was a little bit of both. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. The technology changes, but really the, they've never come up with a better workflow than what you see from 40 years ago. I mean, that that's pretty much the same way that it is nowadays. It, yeah. The best, you know, when you see it in the movie, that's still how the system works. I mean, you, you, may, have, you may have better tools, but the basis, the premise of what they're doing is still the same. It's a lot like, well, I hear from a lot of lawyers who talk to me about how my cousin Vinny, although it's comedic, it's actually very realistic. And <laughs> if that's, you know, if you want to know how a courtroom works, that's a good movie to watch. And with airport, a lot of people in the aviation industry tell me, yeah, it's all corny and stuff, but this is really how every, pretty much every operation works in the airport. So it's, you know, it's something yes. to watch. And it's all, it's, it's, you know, the thing I used to say, especially working at Pittsburgh airport, I don't know if any of you guys have been there, but uh, Pittsburgh airport was a city uh, when it was booming, when it was really, really busy. And it was, Oh yeah. Sure. Back in those U S airways days, yeah, go back to those U S airways days. And uh, the airport had its own zip code. Um, and people would tell you, you know, it was like a city. People would come up to you and they'd hear you that you work for the airlines and they'd say, Oh, do you know my brother, Jim? And it's like, I, you know, that airport has so many people and, and I mean, and, and it, but it takes all of those people to get the airplanes, the people, the luggage, the fuel, all to the right places at the right time to get that airplane. It's all about getting those airplanes, you know, to the right cities at the right time. I mean, it, it's really kind of this ballet to get all that done. And uh, it, it's it's impressive. And to sit up there in a ramp control tower and watch it all happen was, yeah, it was a pretty spectacular view up there. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the movie we've been talking for about ten minutes. Let's talk some more about the movie. I oh think. yeah, sorry if I'm getting you off track. Do we have to? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, actually we do because people <laughs> tune in to find out about the movie. But uh, um, anyway, we're looking at uh, Vern and Gwen are chatting about Ada Quonset in the in back of you know they know she's in the back of the, uh, the plane, and so uh, they're trying to figure out what to do. I mean, uh, Dino's talking to Gwen about what he thinks should be the next thing to happen. Uh, with, uh, with completely <laughs> obscure and Gary Collins, but he's used to that by yeah, now. Poor Gary. <laughs> oh man, he he's third banana in this movie. It's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's a step above wallpaper. Here, let me stick my elbow in your face. Maybe that'll help. And in the shadow, you know, the only shadow from the only light in the uh, cockpit, and that's what he's getting. So, <laughs> so he, you know, he's thinking I'm getting a paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is. Yeah, I and a lot of those guys I don't think cared. I think that as long as they were there getting a check, they were happy. Yeah, and, they um, they look like a good know. crew. I think <laughs> we are going to have actual yeah. an actual actor who was in this movie. We're going to hold up on exactly who it was, but we're going to talk to them much later. Oh, but, that's cool. But we had someone who is a veteran of this movie, and we asked a lot of questions about how what the dynamics were. But it looks like they're all having a good time, you know. Oh yeah, we know that yeah. Dean Martin actually got Universal to pay for flight lessons uh, so that he would know what he was talking about when he was pressing which buttons where. So it was a clever move on his part. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that also, I really am a big believer, and that carries over really well in film. When you see a, somebody in a role and they, they're talking the talk and walking the walk, uh, you know, I know as ATC and, and pilots, we'd all watch movies like this and be like, oh, that guy got that so wrong, or that phraseology was way yeah. off. And, uh, yeah, I think it pays off. You could tell these folks... Uh, uh, they really cared about coming across as genuine with their characters, and I think that's important. Yeah, and they, you know, they do, they do chat. I've known a lot of pilots, and 
commercial pilots, they, they seem to be this way. They're talking about everything under the sun except for where they're <laughs> flying to and what's going on until the point where they need to be professional. And you watch this movie while they're sitting there, they're chatting away about all this stuff, about, you know, their personal lives and things. But oh, yeah. Dino's, Dino's walking into, you know, about the kids and things and asking those questions. Oh, yeah. But you can tell they're not talking about planes because they're not moving their hands in that, you know, at shoulder level doing the there I was <laughs> kind of positions. So, but yeah, I think it captures a real moment between the two pilots. This is the way real people interact. Even even in a soap opera like this, it does seem very realistic on the way they're interacting. Oh, yeah. I mean, the you know... Every once in a while, we get something called a called a stuck mic, where the pilot's mic is stuck on, and we can hear the cockpit. And um, you know, nine times out of ten, they were talking about football or baseball or whatever they're going to do in the next town, and or catching up about their families. I mean, yeah, it's, that's absolutely genuine. I mean, and it, it's the same in the tower or on the ground and ramp. I mean, you'd always be, you know, bantering about anything other than airplanes usually until it was time for business, and then it was. Uh, it's go time. Let's do this. You know. Yeah. Until they, it comes time to pick up the checklist, they can talk about whatever they want. But once it's business, it's well, business. that's that's the thing about this. It's I, I, every time I get on a plane, I'm like, man, you know, when I worked for HBO, you know, it wasn't life or death, uh, except to my immediate boss, of course. But when you guys go to work, you can't ever be wrong once, which is, you know, there was a saying that um, that I liked. And it was, if you go to work and you don't know that you're the best air traffic controller anywhere around, you shouldn't be at work that day. And wow. uh, that was, yeah. I always carried that with me because I'm not really a cocky person, but but there was an attitude of, you know, you're the best guy around doing this job, then, you know, that's where you need to be at work. But there's the whole doubts, confidence thing. Oh, yeah. If you're having doubts about, uh, if you're a pilot and you're having doubts about the flight or the mission or the, you know, the aircraft, uh, you know, don't be in that airplane. I mean, and that's so, yeah, you you do want to carry a certain swagger. You want to have a opinion of nobody's going to do this job better than I am. And uh, yeah, you definitely carry that up there. You don't want to carry it to a level that you're cocky, but in your head, you want to be confident that you know what you're doing. And you know, you know, I enjoyed being the troubleshooter. I, I tried to know the ins and outs of, you know, if there was an emergency, boom, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I just had it canned where I was ready to go. So when there was an emergency, and there were, um, it was without even training. It was, okay, I know right what to do, and let's start rolling. And uh, I, I really prided myself on um, being the emergency guy and being comfortable handling them. Yeah, I would imagine that you have to push everything else that's in your life out of your head. You can't say to yourself, did I pay the electric bill? i got to pick up the kids at 7 <laughs> yeah. o'clock, no. and I've got soccer practice, and I'm going to get in trouble if I don't do that. But you have to have that ability to compartmentalize and say, this is my job. This is the most important thing I can ever do. It, trying to maintain that focus must be incredibly hard. Well, and you know, the airport, the one airport I worked at, there were times where we were actually working by ourselves uh, in the tower, the Elkhart Airport. Um, so there were times where if you had an emergency and you had three airplanes, you you had an airplane uh, coming in to land you had an airplane out there, you know, on its way in, and then you had another airplane out there with a, you know, a flaming number two engine somewhere, and um, they're all yours. <laughs> you know, you still have to control them, and you have to do your best to roll fire trucks and everything, and and uh, you, you got to know the people on the airport good, so that um, you know everybody knew right where to go and where you wanted them, and and uh, yeah, but yeah, there's 
You're not thinking about anything else when it's time for something like that, that's for sure. Okay, I've got to ask one question. I, I know that Airport is one of your favorite movies about airports. What is your worst airplane movie? The one that you look at and go, oh, this, these people do not know what they're doing. This has nothing to do with airplanes. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, besides airplane. <laughs> well, airplane, you know, the funny thing is, I think airplane, I think those guys spend a lot of time on airports because there's a lot of good jokes yeah. in there. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. The, uh, man. Um, let let me uh let me think on that. Well, that, that's fine. You know, actually, we're running out of time in this episode. So let me let's let's pause here oh, for the time being. Yeah, absolutely. Let me and uh, we, I'll get you. We can come back tomorrow and and talk about uh, about that. But uh, I just want to let everybody know out there uh, in our online community that we do have a lot of different uh, venues for uh, social media. If you'd like to comment some more about uh, this particular episode or any other episode, uh, let me just go through the list again. We've got Airport Minute on Twitter. We've got uh, Airport Minute on Facebook, also the Airport Minute Commanders Club, where people come and chat about uh, things that they've heard on the show. We've also got our great big website, airportminute.com, where you can find every episode, every back episode oh. and listen to all that you can also uh, get t-shirts there with joe petroni on them and a bunch of other things uh we've got a uh let's see uh we've also you can, if you haven't seen the movie and we're 76 minutes in so you really should watch the movie so uh go check out uh amazon uh sales right there on our website where you can order a copy and watch it in the next five minutes uh please also subscribe to our itunes uh uh, channel where you can just go in Monday through Friday and get it delivered straight to your mobile device and, and listen to us all the time. Uh, but we will pick this up tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, and we'll talk some more about a little lady with a pom-pom on her head and uh, we'll continue our flight of global, trans-global flight too. But uh, why don't you catch us here tomorrow, here on Tuesday on the Airport Minute. Good day. Goodbye. See ya. Th thanks for having me. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling. Thank <laughs> you.